Hello and welcome to episode 164 of the Saints Squad podcast. This week, well of course, we'll be having a look at Southampton's victory over Crystal Palace in the FA Cup. Progression into the fourth round and a first away win under a new manager would usually be met with joy, but fans haven't been turned upside down just yet. In this seismic edition, we'll also be having a look at the transfer of rumour mill, Manchester City in the Carabao Cup quarterfinals and Everton in the league. We'd also like to say a big thank you to everyone who tuned in and supported our latest episode. It was our biggest ever. If you could, please remember to leave us a review because it really helps us out and it lets us know that you're enjoying the show. No Mikey moment this week, but we do have Jamie Allen and Ollie both. I mean, it's an unchanged lineup. Ollie, you and Jamie went to the game. Yeah, we saw a win. We saw a Saints win. Me and Jamie saw it in person, didn't we, Jamie? We went all the way up to Crystal Palace. It's the most annoying way. It gets the kind of hour bus from Waterloo. It's like it's completely yeah. out of London. Like it shouldn't not be classed as a London team in my opinion. But we saw the we saw a W. It was all Bullmanized. worth it. It was all worth it. How Great. was your experience? Because obviously it's the first time that maybe just you two have gone together. I, mean, I think West Ham <laughs> a few seasons ago as well. But mm-hmm. you know, how was it up there? Well, you know, me and Jamie get on like a house on fire. So yeah, know, absolutely love it. You know, but amazing day. It's just. Jamie took me on a little pizza date. That was cute. I did. Yeah, I went to um, Franca Manca by yes. Waterloo. It was very nice. Would Not 10 out of 10 would recommend. <laughs> yeah. Not sponsored, um, but would be open to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good pizza, I've got to say. It was. It was good. If you're opposite Back Waterloo. To the football, Ollie. Come on. Oh, um, yeah, said they're not yes. supporting us. But the football, football experience. Um, what was the palace? We The bus literally drops you right off outside mm. the palace stadium. Old style stadium. Um old turnstile which was quite nice that was really cool actually yeah Yeah. there was a random bloke just sat there just kind of watching (laughs) it was really awkward because it was like an old kind of metal turnstile and you put your ticket in like you would at St Mary's and it just opens you just kind of make kind of eye contact (laughs) and kind of pass this bloke just sat randomly in the turnstile but it was it was nice enough we didn't really spend that much time actually we literally basically went in got like one drink and then went into the um the away stand. The away stand is mm. obscured, at least where we are, with a massive railing where the camera kind of crews, I guess. I mean, there's only one bloke up there. Camera operators is the correct term, Ollie. There you go. See, <laughs> refer to the media man. Um, so, yeah, you have a kind of top bit which you can't really see what's going on if there's a long ball, which Nathan Jones likes to do. So, a lot of the time, <laughs> we were kind of, kind of crouching, trying to work out what was going on. Or like the time, you couldn't see the time as well. So everyone was asking <laughs> each other how long's left. We, we couldn't that see the funny. green. So everyone had it or like, Jamie like timed the whole second half. So we knew how much time we had left. <laughs> um, but it's good to say, I liked it. Uh, I didn't realise that we went down to the, the bottom to see the whole pitch at the end of the game. And there, to our left-hand side, the fans' left-hand side, they had a whole second tier, a bit like our Northern, which were... Fairly loud, and I can imagine a full stadium. They would be really lively. But mm. I think it's FA Cup early kickoff. Some people didn't fancy it, so but it's still a good atmosphere. And the Saints fans were brilliant. I don't know about you, Jamie, but I thought you know to travel mm. up all that way on probably the worst form they've seen in years. Um, yeah, you know, a, a big turnout and quite loud fans, to be honest. Very, very decent showing from the boys in red and white or yeah. weird blue color as the kit we played in. <laughs> yeah. As a, uh, a football connoisseur off the pitch, as much as on it, what was the stadium like for you, Jay? Because it's a new one that you've been able to tick off. It's, yeah, I think I'm now two off finishing the London Prem sides now. 
And um, I quite enjoyed it because, like I said, when me and Ollie asked the game, we went down to have a look at the rest of the stadium. We got ushered out quite quickly. Yeah, we did. The stewards <laughs> want us out for some reason. I was like, wait, we're trying to look at the stadium, mate, because we're sat back. But, you know, that's not the like end of the world. But I like Ollie saying they have that big, one massive stand to the left. It's kind of like the yellow wall of Dortmund. Because um, I have a family members who are big Palace fans, and um, they're normally in that end. And he's saying it's normally a big, big atmosphere. It's just not many people could be bothered for the early kickoff. <laughs> So they didn't turn yeah. up. So we kind of got a bit of experience of a, a proper Palace away day. However, I'd like to give you another Prem one to see what their, their what's the word, their ultras are like. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they've yeah, done well. drums going everything. I was like, oh, that's they quite did, cool. Yeah, like the, the guy had his Weetabix who was doing the, the drums. <laughs> he was going 90 minutes, bomb, ba da bomb, ba da bomb, ba da bomb, the whole way through. Mm, that was quite impressive. It's a, it's a bit better than everyone cl- slamming the boys at the back of the same No, I quite like that, though. I quite like that. <laughs> when it, I think the people were thumping it at the back. It's great. <laughs> Well, yeah, if, if you are going to see another Premier League away there at Selhurst Park, it's got to be next season. And it's got to be, hopefully, after Nathan Jones or someone else keeps us up. Ollie, you know, you've been to both of the recent games. Did you see anything different from this one, to Forest? What was your overall opinions of the game? Um, well, I thought second half we did play genuinely better than I've seen under Nathan Jones. We saw kind of glimpses at Fulham and those glimpses from Fulham we kind of saw a little bit more consistently in the Palace second half. I think Palace substitutions got weaker as they went on and we actually looked more comfortable as it went on. Um, it's funny, I was crying out on the last podcast for a 4-2-3-1. That's basically what we saw. Um, Maitland-Niles and Ward-Prowse sitting together and um, a few a few changes, but I thought they were ones that didn't really weaken the side. And I don't think... You can't underestimate the fact that Palace were also a fairly strong team as well. I'd say their front four were ones that I I feared previously when we went up and played against them. So I was I was thinking they're not taking this this easy or they're not putting a massively rotated side out. They are going for it. And, you know, that that three of um Zaha, Elise and then Eze who came on later on, um, is a very uh, you know, dangerous pairing or trio. Yeah. Um and at, at times they caused us major problems when we played them in the past. Um, but we kept them relatively at bay. And I think there were some good individual performances that will definitely springboard them on to continue that form, hopefully. Um, we might mention it later on with individuals, but I think um, Lianco at right back did well, considering it's not his natural position. Um, by no means do I think he was incredible, but he de- <laughs> definitely did better and kept the mistakes to a minimum. Um I think Aribo looked impressive and showed some form that we haven't seen previously. Thought Maitland Niles remained his composure while also um, being a bit more assured with his passes and being a bit more progressive. And um, obviously Adam Armstrong, which we'll get onto later as well. Jamie, I'll ask you the same question, the same opener that you know every podcast is. What did you think of the most recent game? I thought the first half was dreadful um <laughs> apart from i think the prousey free kick but wasn't really it wasn't, it wasn't what was it wasn't what it was intending but it doesn't matter because it went in however coming out in the second half it was a, i thought it was a different very different side Not, by no means we were amazing but we were better and i thought i was saying to all of you throughout the game more jovially but we were pressing a lot more and i thought it was very ralph like 
press. <laughs> and that's, that's how we got the second goal with Adam Armstrong. And I was saying, once Adam Armstrong scored, I was going, that was Ralph in him. That was Ralph <laughs> written all over. But I did think the second half was a lot better as we showed actual fight first time in a long time. And it seemed that players kind of I must have got a bit of a battering from Nathan Jones at half time, but maybe for the first time they kind of cared about the battering. And it kind of looked like I, I wanted Brench and Aribo like Ollie did briefly. I thought he had a smashing second half. I just think when he played so many games for Rangers last season, he I think it's more because consistency. And now he, I hope he gets the run of games he deserves now. I think that will proper show the form. And I'm looking forward to hopefully see him do well. I mean, it's not the first time and it, it probably won't be the last time that he went behind under Nathan Jones when Eduard scored for the second time against us this season, having done so at Selhurst Park in the league. And it felt that the goal once again was a bit simple. You know, Salisu hooks the ball clear, Anderson gets it, he just pokes mm. it through. It feels like an almost almost an entire third of the pitch. Zaha, a nice little pass to him and, you know, he does all right with the finish. Ollie, did do you agree? Did this, the first goal just feel a bit simple? Um... It was clear. How many clearances was there before uh, it got to Palace? I think there was. It was. It just bounced around a lot, didn't it? Really, I don't know where. Um, it it was quick. I mean, to be honest, I didn't really see what happened too much, but it, it seemed that like uh, it was it Ud- Udward, Edward that scored. Edward scored. Yeah. yeah, it was a very good touch that took it away from Kletikar, and I think that's just uh, the pace that he has. It was essentially just put straight up to him and he, he knocked it past, got the step and then just kind of tucked it away, really. So it was kind of out of nowhere. I mean, Palace did look kind of on top of us for quite the first probably 15 minutes or so before they eventually scored. Um, uh, it was disappointing, but I don't think it was a, a majorly bad mistake as we've previously seen. I think it's more just that it was it was a bit sloppy. I mean, the clearance could be a little bit better. I'm never really a fan of when people, when players turn around the other way and kick it behind without even looking where they're playing it because I think it's just a bit aimless. I think it's a bit lazy. Um, and really, it's not the football we really want to see. Uh, mm. And especially with Nathan Jones having criticisms with long balls, um, I think he's going to be especially peeved to see he conceded a goal in that way because it was a very loopy, very tall poofed ball with an aimless direction and we've ended up conceding from it. Literally, their defender has just cleared it on basically on the volley and it's gone straight up to the striker. Really, like Basically cut the midfield. He's taken a brilliant touch and put it in the back of the net. So, a bit of a frustrating one. No, um, yeah. It, it's just a little bit annoying and hopefully it can be kind of tuned out. It's not a major mistake. It's just, yeah, something that needs to be fixed. And obviously, we could have been 2 0 down when Ayu hit the bar when he, he really should have scored from, I think it was Elise's cross. And then the, the away fans, they get a bit hostile. And, you know, they're the ones paying the ticket, so they can they can sort of do what they want, Jamie. Could you feel it coming? And were you part of that hostility mm. thinking, wow. not again? Not We've not gone all this way mm. to be 2 0 down and out of the cup before it's even really started. The chance of Nathan Jones, your football is. I won't say that I won't finish it. Um, <laughs> we're ringing for the, a lot of the first half. And I'll, I'll throw my hands up. I mm-hmm. did join in. Ollie didn't, but I did. I didn't. I, I, I stood there firmly because I thought, <laughs> what does this achieve, lads? And I, I, I tutted it. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, but, I, you know, there was a lot, mm. of, uh, a lot of people getting frustrated because they thought, oh, here we go. We're going to lose 3-0 and we're going to have to watch this for the rest mm. of the game. Um, and, you know, do, do you argue that it, it kicked things in and made... Oh, 
Go on, Jamie. Yeah, say it, it's my my point here, mate. Yeah, go on. Come on. on. But I I did feel though, going on with what you're saying there, that it did feel like uh, the second half he did change it up. Not maybe not because of the fans singing his plaudits, but um, but he it did encourage a change in style, and it worked. It really was successful. But uh, same going back to your saying about the the Edward second chance we hit the crossbar. It just it just just screams us being it's just us being rubbish to be honest because we <laughs> the, the the game we only won because they missed the chances not because we played well because they missed the chances and we were lucky with the goalkeeper being a bit of a silly billy yeah just not having his not having his best game Gore, mm. so, you know Sam Johnson's there so maybe he might get might get a run of the team only something that you said there so it almost feels like Nathan Jones echoed, I think, after the game or in the uh, pre-match press conference before Manchester City. Uh, he said uh, about the fans' frustrations, they don't help anyone, but I do prefer when it, it when they're on me rather than the team. We want to give their performances when uh, we can see progression and we need our fans behind us. So it feels like you staying mm. silent is sort of what he wants to see, but he can understand it. Yeah, and I don't think I've... I... Jenny can't think of a time where even like Powell, who was really criticised for his football, I don't think of fans being that um, aggressive towards what they were watching. I mean, they had they had the kind of uh, what's the word kind of gallows humour of saying, "Oh, we've had a shot, we scored a goal," which again, <laughs> I ne- I never really join in because it's funny, but you've got to die inside if you're a player and you hear that, and you've had a shot, and all the fans are singing that. It's got to absolutely crush you. So. Yeah, sometimes I, I, I don't have the heart to join in with those. But, I mean, the fans are seeing a, a really poor showing this season. So you can kind of understand their frustrations. And if they paid the money and they want to enjoy themselves by singing a song, by all means, let them. Um, like you said previously, they're the ones paying, paying the money. And I think Jamie's right. There might be a little thing that sticks in the back of his mind, a real point that's, you know, he, he's been a little bit humiliated there by his own fans. But when he gets in at half time, you know the first thing for a fact that he's going to say is we need to play some better football, we need to get it on the ground, and we need to stop hoofing it. And it might consolidate it in the back of his mind. So the fans are being vocal and maybe it's paid off a little bit in the end. So before half time, like Jamie said earlier, we were able to find an equaliser. Rebo was sort of pushed to the floor by Joel Ward and Ward Prowse sort of bends it, the curl on it. And it does go <laughs> in the top corner, to be fair. It does hit the ground first. But even though it's an equaliser, does it feel at the moment, Jamie, that the the flashes of hope we get are more out of luck than you know us, us mm. having some great play? It's every, I think correct me if I'm wrong, but I think every goal we've scored so far under the Jones era has been from individual players, not necessarily from his tactical correct his tactical commands. Like it's it's just. None of it is inspiring. If we're scoring goals from his brilliant tactics, his having a little ticky tack of football, I don't know. It's better that way. He could do that. That is, but it's just it just seems with lots of individual talent is getting us the goal, not necessarily the man himself. And I don't think that's right. I think yes, if it was under Ralph, it may be the same. However, he comes in saying all these promises and is not fulfilling them, and it's just very uninspiring considering the situation we're in. Can I ask a question? I know. I yes. Change up the format, but um, <laughs> do you think that's that he's not had his time for the players to to learn what he wants to do, or do you reckon he's had five weeks before he's played his game and he's gone? This is what we're aiming to do, and it's just not working in the Premier League. I think when you have those six weeks, Ollie, 
and then you're complaining that we haven't had enough time is unacceptable because you see other teams coming back from the from the weird mid preseason are doing so well. And I don't understand what he did in that period of time. I realised it didn't work. I think we lost against Bournemouth and won against Bournemouth and lost to Bristol City in some friendlies we played. It's just it's just not on really. I think especially with Bristol City and the formation isn't working. When we played Lincoln, when we played Sheffield Wednesday, I know, sorry, Lincoln's a bit harsh because obviously he wasn't. Was it which way around was it? He was involved in. He was involved in the Lincoln City game. That's uh, not it, the not Sheffield Wednesday yeah. game. But the Sheffield Wednesday game, his formation was not working at all. So the fact that he had all that time, had these warm-up games, you could say, and then his first actual game against Lincoln wasn't working, I don't know. I just think it's very, very worrying that his, t- his tactics aren't working in the squad. I feel like there's also, from what we've seen, there's no clear patterns of play, not just the tactics, but actually the way the ball moves mm. around the pitch. You know, you look at the way we've scored goals. Before the break against Liverpool, it was a James Wars, uh, Ward-Prowse cross to a Che Adams header. Um, after the break against Lincoln, I think Ellie Nussi crossed for a Che Adams header. Then uh, the second goal was Che Adams just prodding it in uh, against Fulham. It was a James Ward-Prowse free kick. Against Brighton, it was a James Ward-Prowse miss penalty to then scoring a penalty. And then mm. in this game, uh, as you've seen, it's you know a fluky free kick. But then good play from Adam Armstrong. But one thing mm. we do know from him is that he's an, you know a, a prolific presser, and that's how he gets uh, you know well got that goal. And so it's not anything that has been taught into him. Well, is that how you feel that maybe the passages of play? It's not Nathan Jones's style. Style. It's just. It just seems a bit mixed up at the moment, if, if that's oh, yeah. the way to put it. Yeah, you, you basically just kind of reiterated Jamie's point in a different way. Jamie's kind of saying that there's no direct... Um, there's no kind of... The thing is with Ralph is he invented himself a few different times. We had a really aggressive like counter-press to create chances. Mm. And then we started him seeing him to kind of evolve that. And when that kind of got found out a little bit, he started to implement new things like uh, the Yannick Vestergaard long diagonal ball straight to Walker Peters. <laughs> that was really successful for a few months. And you can see he kind of added these little things that he wanted to work on. Um, whereas like Nathan Jones, I'm not seeing anything particular that's his style, his kind of stamp, his, um, you know, something that you could see they clearly worked on. Maybe, so, you know, we might have seen some sort of two-touch quick play before it goes out wide or some overlapping underlapping something you can go oh yeah you you can see that's a kind of repeated mannerism that's going on we're not really seeing any of that and the it seems like there's a panic to get the ball up quickly and i know he keeps mentioning about wanting to be direct but it seems like the players are kind of realizing they're taking too long on the ball and then it seems forced rather than targeted if that makes sense if you're playing a ball because you want to play it quickly to free uh, to feet or a winger's come in or a striker's come into the ball to receive it. I think that's different when you're playing direct like that than an aimless ball that goes over the top. I've seen a lot of over-the-top through balls and they haven't got there. And I think the difference is that in the Premier League, um, the defenders are so switched onto that and they're quick and they can step back. And sometimes in the Championship, you've got slow six-foot-five centre-backs that are... you know, you put it over the top of them and they're not getting there. In the Premier League, they're not only six foot five, but they're quick as well. So they drop and they can win that header or the keepers are so quick off their line. Sometimes you might get a bit of hesitation in the Championship, not in the Premier League. Every single Premier League goalkeeper is ready on their toes and they're that sweeper keeper because 
that's the level of the Premier League. It is that step up. So something like direct football, balls over the top, doesn't work as successfully in the Premier League. So I think that may, might be something that he's trying and it's just not coming off at the moment. I think you're spot on, but thankfully for us, it was a cup game. So Premier League Guaita wasn't ready for the press of Adam Armstrong. <laughs> he sort of gets the gets the ball stuck under his foot. And it feels like I've asked this question almost every single time. I mean, every single time he's only scored four goals. Uh, but the three times <laughs> after that he scored goals about, could this be the time that this this changes our Adam Armstrong? He changes into a more comfortable player. Yes. It's not a goal where he's taken it around three players and whipped it into the top corner. But he has got a goal. He's put it into the back of the net, Jamie. And this could be mm. a turning point for him. Maybe. Maybe. I, the, the thing I love most about the goal was seeing the players' reactions. Mm. I, was like, I think the whole squad seems to be very together at the moment. Yeah, we may be struggling a lot, but there seems to be a lot of happiness around this team. And just seeing like even the subs of Elanusi and I think it's Diallo or Gineppo on the other side is so ecstatic that he finally got his goal. I just think I'd like for Aaron Armstrong's sake and our relegation's sake, I'd like to think that he can spur the form on, but of him, who knows? Because I think it was, a, it was only his fourth goal for the club in what, nearly 50 appearances. So maybe I'd like, uh, for his sake, yes, because he's a, he's a well-liked player in the squad, but for uh, unbiased opinion, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's there's a reason that we're trying to get a striker in the uh, mm. in the window because you know uh, Nathan Jones has seen what he's seen on the pitch and on the training grounds, and he wants to change it up. So looking at the game, Ollie, who mm-hmm. do you think shone, or was did no one shine? Because you mentioned Arebo, you mentioned a mm-hmm. few other players. There was anyone that you thought that player is going to take this performance and he's going to bring it into the next game, hopefully. Um, well, I thought that. I was impressed with the people that I previously mentioned. I just want to kind of build on them, really. I think, um, I do think Maitland Niles is probably his best game that he's had for Saints so far. Mm. Um, just because he did look, he, he always has that confidence about him, that kind of unwavering coolness. But then when you weren't making five yard passes against Lincoln, I was like, this isn't working. And he, he generally put a terrible performance in against Lincoln and got hooked off early. Uh, Complete opposite against Palace. Really calm on the ball. Coming in and into those pockets and taking it deep. And um, he he, look, he looks much more uh, progressive, trying to carry the ball a little bit more. And um, yeah, I think he he definitely looked more assured with maybe someone with him. Maybe he works better with two, two pivots and he plays well. Um, I think Aribo, Jamie mentioned that he played a lot of games for Rangers. And we were discussing this uh, after the game. I think he's one of those players. And I, I've got to mention my dad here. We were talking about, do you remember um, Morgan Schneiderlin coming back from injuries? He used to take mm. a while to get back up in, to speed. So I'm nicking my dad's point here now. But... <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening, sorry, dad. But it's a very good point. Some players take a while to get back into match speed and start getting up to the level that they were. And you've got to remember when Aribo came straight from Rangers, came into the side, had a preseason, and he started doing really well in the preseasons, looking really strong and kind of would just dribble through anyone, have that desire that you could kind of smash through anyone and just keep on going. And I think we saw that a little bit against Palace. And mm. I think, especially with relegation battles and poor form, sometimes the ball just doesn't bounce your way and you could try and take on that player and it just takes a little nick or somehow they get that challenge in and you don't know how they did. 
Whereas with a bit of confidence, sometimes, you know, it does just kind of fall exactly where you want and you get that bubble that you need. Um, so I think Jamie's right. Aribo played really well. And there's people calling for him to to start the next game and they want to see him continue his, conf- you know, his confident play. That That's the amazing thing, that it only takes one game to um, get your confidence going again. And the whistle blew and we're into the hat. And I think we were the third, fourth team. Well, it couldn't have been the fourth team because that'd be an away size. But one of the earlier odd numbers out of the draw. Jamie, Blackpool at home, fourth round. Mm. They did beat Nottingham Forest and much changed Nottingham Forest. But then again, they did make 23 sub uh, signings in the summer. So a lot of them at least got some minutes for them. What was your opinion when the draw came up? We do like away days, but a nice mm. home draw is not too bad either. I was saying, I was saying in the chat before, and you two are being boring and saying you don't want a, a long away day like a Wrexham, for example. Hmm. I, I think uh, travelling, I remember travelling to Aston Villa game when all of us, all the four of us went. I loved it so much because it was far away. It's like a new stadium to go to, but all you boring boys wanted a home <laughs> draw. However, I'm, I'm quite happy to have Blackpool because I, I always quite liked them when they were in the Prem because they was it there, Charlie Adams in midfield. Gary Taylor-Fletcher. Exactly, he's the... the <laughs> It's like some goats of, oh, <laughs> or the street, not goats, streets will never forget players <laughs> of Premier League. The the one reason I'm I'm happy for a home draw is that if we can win against Blackpool, which I'd hope we can, wouldn't it be lovely just for to kind of get rid of that that stigma about the fact that the home fans keep seeing losses? That it would just kind of mm. wipe the slate clean, have a win, get the atmosphere a little bit better, get the players getting a bit of applause, and then that just kind of gets them in for whatever the next game is, just provides a little bit of positivity for the home crowd. Uh, talk about the players. One of the people that weren't in the squad, uh, but it's now been cleared up, is Stuart Armstrong. Or are you happy that it's been... Obviously not happy that he's injured. <laughs> happy that you know that he's not in the squad because he's injured, rather than there being some sort of bust-up. Because at times, and a lot of times, it feels like this season, he has been the best player on the pitch. Mm. Yeah, there we uh, we kind of speculated it, didn't we, last episode? And I I said he must be he must be injured because he's not playing. I think someone said they might you know he might hand in a transfer request. I thought that was a little bit a little bit too far the other way. But um, yeah, it looks like there's I, I I can't remember the exact injury. Is it a hip injury? I think I read something something that, that yeah I'm not sure. It's preventing him from playing full ninety minutes, and it seems like he might have to take a little step back for it to improve to come back into the side. But that little bit of communication from the manager kind of takes that expectation off the fans. I think it possibly could have done a, be done a, a little bit earlier, kind of give us a head up to why he's not playing, because there's a lot of fans that agree that he he is a bit of a a bit of a spark in that midfield that we do sometimes um, sometimes lack. So it'd be it'd be good to see him back coming back on full fitness, but it'll be unfortunate that he's going to have to take a couple of weeks to try and um, uh, recover from it. Right, that's the Palace game tied up. And before we get into Manchester City and Everton, let's talk transfers. That's the fun thing mm. most of the time about the January transfer window is that people can come through the door. And one of them, one of them has been ticked off the list. It's someone that, you know, last episode, it seemed like it wasn't going to happen, but out of nowhere-ish, it has. <laughs> Miroslav Orsic, someone that's, you know, Champions League pedigree, Europa League pedigree, scored against... Plenty of clubs from our division where we signed him for about six, seven million plus add-ons on a two and a half year contract. Jamie, when you saw that, what were you thinking? I was very, very excited because it's it's the first signing we've made in a while that other Premier League teams are jealous of. I think everyone's saying how how well he's played against them in the Champions League and Europa League games, like 
Was it a hat trick against Spurs? Against Tottenham. Mm. Tottenham, yeah. Boo. But um, <laughs> and it's just he always performs well on European stage, especially against English sides, which is encouraging to see. Hopefully, it won't take him too long to adapt to the Premier League as he has the experience behind him to do well. And it's nice to see a new number 11 in the club taken on from a bit of a cult hero, Nathan Redmond. And, I thought um, we were going to say someone else there, Dusan Tadic, but Nathan Redmond's a... And Nathan Redmond, well, he's the last one to wear the shirt, wasn't he? Tadic is two 11s ago, mate. You had, you had Redmond and then you had Elanusi. It's a while back now. He's been if it's stuff, shirts, don't argue with Jamie. He knows yeah, come on. Yeah, I mean, Orsic, he played at the World Cup. Chiletasar, you know, his compatriot wasn't there, but Orsic, he scored a penalty in the penalty shoot against Brazil. He set up one of the goals and he scored the winning goal in the third place playoff. What do you think or what do you hope that he'll add to our team, Oli? Um, well, a lot of people have been crying out for experience and that's someone with an experience head on their shoulders. So first and foremost, that, that'd be nice as well. Maybe get a little bit of a... A bit of mentoring because I know Theo Walcott's mentioned as from the young players as kind of having that experience and passing that on. I also think Nathan Redmond in a in a way as well. People credited to him being really good with the youngsters and kind of providing a bit of experience. So I think that would be especially if we're if we're struggling to pick up points, having an experienced head that not only can be experienced on the pitch but also on the training ground as well. I think that will go that will go really far for some of these youngsters like. Um, a dozy who might have previously struggled with getting his shots on target and stuff like that. Having someone like um, Orsic who can put on a, a great shot on target, great person to have around the dressing room. Right, and now I'll go for the people that could come in. and We'll go from least realistic to most realistic. And I'll start with okay. Jed Spence. What, you know, in the mirror, it's been linked that he might have a loan spell away from Tottenham. He really hasn't played much in the Premier League and didn't even start against Portsmouth in the uh, FA Cup. Even though it's unlikely, what do you think he could bring to the team? Well, I think Jed Spence would be... If it's a loan, I'll take it in. But I think he's obviously... A, during his spell at, on loan at Nottingham Forest, which was very successful in their promotion, and the side were keen to keep him on. However, a move to Premier League big dog Spurs tempted him away. But um, I think it may be a bit unnecessary. Cause I'm not too sure on Larry Osman he'll be back from injury. However... It'd be nice. However, I'd rather spend the money on bringing someone else in. But well, I think you have a few Spurs friends. What do they make about him? Uh, I've got one Spurs um, friend. Oh, and sorry. We... <laughs> <laughs> I've got multiple. But um, from what I've heard, Conte has been pretty explicit in his uh, description of Jed Spence not being up to the level. And he's actually given uh, Doherty an opportunity to play now and again, um, even with Emerson Royale being putting in some questionable performances at right <laughs> wing back. Um, so it seems like he's really struggled to kind of get into that team. And um, Conte, I don't think that really helps if you've got a manager saying that um, you're not up to the level. Maybe he's trying to spur him on, pun intended. Um, but yeah, I think he's one of those players that he, he, he has got something to prove and he could be great for us. Or he could be low on confidence, which a lot of our players already are, and might not come off that great. So, um, considering he's been kind of outed already in the media, not really bounced back from it, not really shown it, uh, it's one of those players I think would be a, a, a real risk and would not really be that 
a player in that kind of uh, headspace that we'd want to bring into the side. So personally, I'd probably give it a miss. That would be my recommendation. On the defensive side of things, and you know, he comes from a team that we're about to play Everton. It's Michael Keane. You know, we want to get him on loan. Everton, where well, they want to get rid of him on a permanent basis due to the amount mm. of defenders they have. Oli, he had experience, which, you know, we, we know that Nathan Jones likes. Would you take him at the club? No. <laughs> I'll be honest, no. Because if, you, if you're if you in a relegation battle like they are, and they've got to have, uh, they've got a six-point game against us coming up, and they're willing to let him go to your rivals... What does that say? They're like, oh yeah, we, you know, do you want to take him permanently? Do you want to? No, we won't just loan it to you. We'll just, com- you can just completely have him if you want. It really worked. It would be like, well, why? If you were a Champions League club, would you give a player who was performing well to a rival? No, you wouldn't. So, if you had a defensive asset, which both of the teams have been struggling with, conceding goals, why would you offer him up to someone who could possibly? be a rival for the rest of the season I don't understand it apart from they if they want to cash in I don't know whether he's low on contract or they just want to you know get get a cash offer in while they can but personally I've seen performances of him which don't inspire me with confidence I think just because you're experienced head doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be um, performing at a high level um, we've had Jack Stevens who's an experienced head but he still has mistakes in him and that's the reason why we we put him out on loan to Bournemouth so I don't I don't necessarily think that experience correlates with guaranteed performances I think I'd be happy to look elsewhere so that's a no from Ollie is a no from you Jamie or are you looking more positive Um, with the players contract expiring on June 30th 2025 I would be (laughs) I think (laughs) a loan would probably be best if we really desperately needed a centre-back however if we were to be on a permanent basis, probably a bit too much out of our price range. With his current market value being 40 million euros, I'm not too sure if that's really where Someone's been on transfer market. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they only want to get rid of him permanently and maybe it'd be for about that fee. Ollie, you've had a look, a look at a couple of strikers that we've been linked I to. Have. Who are they and who would this you want the... the most out of the ones that you've uh, you've had a look at? Yeah, so I've, I've been looking at a couple of our um, people that we've been linked with. Uh, we've got Moffy from Laurent, I'm going with. Um, and this is the one that we've had a couple of offers that have been knocked back for. They've asked for about 25 million euros mm-hmm. around that um, around that sort of ballpark. And it looks like we're reluctant to pay that. Trying to find somewhere that we can meet in the middle, but their valuation is much higher than ours at the moment. And it seems like there's been a little bit back and forth, a little bit of... Um, a stalling on that case a little bit about the player he's um fairly technical fairly creative he's he seems like he takes a wide range of shots but has quite a good um shot and goal percentage uh it's six foot one and um he's described as a player with with quality which is the reason i think we're looking at him um he's compa- been compared to um beto or beto um who plays for udinese this is a player who's a lot more um, of a presence. He's six foot four, uh, and he's more described as a useful player. Somebody who brings others into the game. He has uh, a similar goal um, return, but is a little bit um, less clinical. Uh, his shots are a little bit more closer to the goal. He's not um, as high of a range of shots. Um, 
And uh, the reason, the other thing I've noticed down is that he's not quite as technical or creative, but defensively has a bit more of a, a defensive contribution than um, Moffy. So possible if we were still playing a pressing style, that's something Nathan Jones likes from his strikers, then he can provide a bit more of a defensive asset. But um, between the two, if you can find a sensible figure um, for Moffy, I think around 20 million, he would be a perfect addition to the side. It's whether it can be done. It seems like things moved very quickly for a transfer we will talk about soon. Uh, under the um, the kind of media's eyes, it got it got sorted out pretty soon. So hopefully it could happen with a striker as well. But yeah, I'd say if you could do 20 million with a, a sell-on or a couple of little added bonuses there or thereabouts, I think it would be a brilliant addition. See, Ollie's mentioned something there that it almost feels that when you're a team of our size, it's always going to happen. Is is the mould that it feels like Jones wants a bit of a bigger striker, someone that can hold up the ball, brings brings others into play. However, on the other side, he's not quite he's not quite as clinical. Mm. He doesn't put the ball in the back of net as much. Moffy, you know, he's got ten goals in fourteen. That's sort of you know what we'd hope to get. Jamie, how do you look at the situation? Are these the sort of strikers that we should be targeting mm. in this window? I think it's depending on how Jones really wants to play football because at the moment with all these long balls and crosses in, if we did get a striker that had that height on him, then why not give it a go and see if it works? But it's just, like I said, I don't really want to be taking these risks right now. As obviously it's, this is a Premier League status on the line. But if, if the club really believe in Jones and back him, they'll bring him the striker that he needs. And if that's how, if that's what they want to do, I, I respect it. But we do need some height up front, as that is something we're clearly lacking. However, just I just want someone who can score goals. I don't, <laughs> I'm trying to, I don't know how too technical. I just want goals. Like, that's all we need. Yeah. Danny Ings 2.0, but not actually Danny Ings because not worth it. No, I mean there's one one other transfer that we've got to talk about, and it's Carlos Alcaraz, 12 million euros. He's coming to Southampton. I think he's having his medical tomorrow, or maybe today, by the time that you're listening to it. Uh, I did a bit of research behind him, not too much, but a, a tiny amount, and it it seemed like if Benfica lost Enzo Fernandez, they would have taken him instead um, as the replacement, which really shows how highly he's ranked. Uh, you know, in in some minds, he's a twenty-year-old midfielder. Jamie, you've had a look a little look at him. What do you think? Mm, uh, right-footed, creative, and versatile player. He plays mostly in in the midfield and attack. I think it's something we're desperately after. A little fun fact: I was I was looking up. He scored the winning goal in the twenty twenty-two Argentina Cup final against Boca Juniors in extra time, barking a large fight and being one of ten red cards in that game. So he's clearly a player of some spirit, which we desperately need out there. Yeah, I think he got eight yellow cards and one red this season. I think he might have got nine yellow cards last season. So he's certainly an aggressive player. Ollie, is, is that what we need? Someone that can replace Romero? Even though he's not really the same type of player as Romero, is Romero someone that just sits, gets the tackles in, he gets 50, 50 yellow cards, but never a red. So <laughs> he's on the right side of the line. Um, well, I I believe that the new addition that we have is more of an eight than a, a six. But it seems like, I, I, to be honest, I'm going off a yellow card or red card. I can't really tell what sort of yellows or reds that are. I don't know whether that's yeah. poor decisions. I don't know whether that's tactical ones. I really don't know on where he's getting these cards from. Um, but it would be nice to have, uh, it, I think it would be nice to have a bit of a bit of fight, especially in... The position we are in the moment i want to try and avoid the the r word but you know it is kind of inevitable where we are at the moment um 
so a bit of fight will never go amiss. Uh, and I think if you're showing that passion, it's going to be quite easy to get into the side because there are some people who are kind of stalling and not showing their worth. And you will get an opportunity if you're showing if you're showing enough. Right, that's the transfer dealings done. And hopefully by the next podcast, we'll have a lot more over the line or at least a lot more links to, to players. I think we, we had a look at three or four this transfer window and we've we've got one over the line already. Now, the big game or ish against Manchester City in the Carabao Cup. Mm. It won't be a be on end all for us this season because that'll be the league. But it'll always be nice to get to the semi-final of, of any competition. Southampton, where they've progressed in three of their last four Carabao Cup matches against Manchester City, but they've won just one of their last 15 against City and under against Guardiola <laughs> as well. So our record's not that great. But then again, whose record is good against Guardiola? Basically, no one's. Jamie, what's your expectations and hope for this game? If there were one team to beat City this year, it would be us. Our pure luck. <laughs> pure luck. It's a Che Adams-esque halfway line goal. That's what I'm hoping for is we score, maybe get a lucky penalty early on and defend, defend, defend. I was going to say hopefully Haaland will be on the bench. Unfortunately, he was on the bench against Chelsea. So <laughs> oh, no. I think he'll be up and rearing to go to take uh, take us on. But oh, we really? have the yeah. mighty Bazunu and Platakar <laughs> yeah. Mavia to stop them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they still won that game 4-0 with Harlem yeah. on the bench. Even without him, they've got Julian Alvarez who's, you know, bring it, brimming with confidence after a successful World Cup campaign. Ollie, what are your expectations mm. and who do you think should play in this game? Is this, is this a time to rest players? You know, a big game against Everton coming up in the league or... Is it a way to, you know, boost confidence, get another win or just another good A or A performance under the bow as well? I really, first thing I'd do is put the experience heads on or as at least the most that we can just to try and maintain some professionalism in, throughout this game. I think the main result doesn't matter. I think if we show a good enough performance, that will be enough for me. And I really don't want some of the, the players their heads to go down considering that it started to look like a little bit of a, a positive step after the Crystal Palace game. So I hope that the players that played well against Palace get rewarded, but then I also hope that we can put in a good enough result not to mm-hmm. to hinder their uh um what would you say? Like I guess <laughs> the yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't yeah either either of those yeah, hopefully their their confidence doesn't get too knocked by the Man City game. But I think we can take if we play enough and we know, like if we play some good enough football and we we sh- we show things that we can be proud of, then maybe we can take a little bit of confidence from the City game. But I'll be honest, when we get round to score predictions, I'm I'm not going to be confident. <laughs> <laughs> so it could be a chance for fringe players for the opposition. Jamie, who are you most worried about in that Manchester City team? Because they could play anyone. You know, De Bruyne was on the bench the last game. Mm. Harden was on the bench the last game. I think Foden might have even been on the bench the last game as well. So they've got a plethora of rested options. I think it is the number nine I just mentioned, Harry. The beauty from Norway, Erling Haaland. <laughs> uh, it's just, it is very, very scary. It's, it's, it's the only reason I want to go to the game is because I want to see a world-class player perform on the hallow turf of St. Mary's. But um, honestly, Tizzy, it is not looking good. But I just, like Ollie said, I just hope we play the right players because 
I I would I'd rather Bazuna not playing this game to be honest because if we're, it's probably going to be a battering and that will not help his confidence right now. I know if we play Caballero or McCarthy, if he's back from injury, it's obviously a less quality player. But I just think it's worth saving some players' heads and resting them for the Everton game because if they, I don't want to mention the nine bring up the nines anymore but it, it's to that level of quality that City are that if that did happen I'd knock a few players for 20 so I think it might be worth <laughs> resting some oh, that's a long bit like, worth resting a few players just in case it's a battering so their heads aren't gone for the Everton game because that's probably after the Forest game our biggest game of the season Knock a player for 20. That's quite... That is quite <laughs> what, what is that to say? Knock a player for six, which is a oh. cricket reference. <laughs> <laughs> this is the a million pound question that, you know, if Nathan Jones knew the answer, we'd spin out in absolute glory land. And if you know the answer, Ollie, you've got to tell him. How do we progress in, in this quarterfinal game against Manchester City? For me, 10 players behind the ball, you know, goalkeeper as well. So make it 11. Get that nil-nil and just try and win on penalties. I mean, it's not... We've done it once before. What was the one where we held on? That was the Che Adams 40-yard uh, yeah, on there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's possible, but by no means is it going to be easy. Uh, I don't want... Here's a question for you lot. Do you want to see five at the back against City? Because I think it's inevitable, but does it make us any stronger? I don't think so. I think it will just mean we play absolutely torrid football. <laughs> and we'll basically just sit behind them until they inevitably score. Because Man City are so used to breaking down teams with five at the back. It's like the best thing that they do. And I really don't understand being super negative against Man City. I'd at least, I'd, I'd want us to at least show some attacking play to kind of put them on the back foot for a little bit. Because they're not, they're not invincible. They can make mistakes. And I think the... Uh, the prime example of that was Newcastle. I knew New- I know Newcastle are on amazing form. They've been brilliant this season. But the way they've done that is pl- by playing positive football. And they went out there and gave Man City a game. And they went at them. And they forced their defenders into mistakes. Because they are humans. They're not robots. I, it may seem like some of them are robots. But there are mistakes in them there as well. So I would like us to kind of test Man City. Push them on the break a little bit. Not turn back and play the safe pass. Try a few difficult passes against Man City as well. Why not? Why not go at them a little bit? That's kind of what I want to see. I'd probably say pack the pack the defense with four. Um, mm-hmm. put, sorry, pack the midfield with three because it means that Rodri, De Bruyne, if you just keep pressing them and just don't let them get any space, they can't play their natural game. You know, they don't give them time. That's sort of how we, you know, were able to win one nil last time because players like Rodri. People don't realise how much he runs the game for Manchester City. Have you seen the, the passing amount, the touches that he gets this season? He tops every single chart out of every single team possible in the Premier League because he's their main man. He's the one that always plays. He doesn't really get drops at all. So get Rodri, get De Bruyne, just don't let them pass the ball because Harlan can't get the ball if he doesn't have someone that's assisting him at the same time. Jamie, I don't know if you're thinking the same. Would you go for a five? Would you go for a four? Which way would you approach it? It's very, very tough considering the opponent, but I think I like what you're saying there, Harry, of packing the midfield with a three. So they have no a four, three. three. <laughs> I honestly have no idea. But I think, like, your point with just making sure we are man marking the right players and stopping their fluidity, I think we possibly could hold out. Very possibly could hold out. But as long as we're, like I said, marking the right players, 
making sure we're not allowing them to play how they like to play and just be some nice, dirty football. You know, throwing the ch- elbows in, sh- shoulder yeah. barges, showing we're not to be not scared of them. We want to let them know you're there. Proper exactly. Sunday league stuff. Amen. Head us with your elbows up. So we're not scared. Okay. The dreaded score prediction time. It's something that people oh. don't enjoy doing against Man City, or as a Saints fan, we just haven't enjoyed doing all season because we know a lot of the time, uh, or at least the last six games, we've been on the losing end of the result. Ollie, I'll start with you. What's your score prediction and a little reasoning behind it as well? Okay. Uh, 3-1 City. I reckon we'll lose the first half 3-0, and I reckon we'll win the second half 1-0. So I reckon it'll be 3-1. So it's going to be a turgid first half. Jamie, what do you think? Well, as you know, I never predict a loss. So I'm <laughs> going to go for a hopeful 1-0. Wow. Uh, to us? What, Chad yes. Adams again from 40 yards? a little. Repeat, Adam Armstrong, two in a row. Is that in the 90 minutes that we win it? It's got to be. Oh, hang on. I take back one all penalties. <laughs> I don't like predicting losses, but I'm going to say it's going to be a 2 0 defeat. We'll hold out until about the 65th minute, and then Ooh. they'll break our resistance once and then twice, and then we'll, we'll be knocked out. But then we can focus on the league and our FA Cup campaign. Right. Talking about the league and our final segment of this week's podcast Everton, 18th versus 20th. Two teams that have only won three games all season. And Frank Lampard, well, he's, he's on, the edge of his, on the edge of his job because he's not done too well of late. Maybe injuries and maybe other things combined with that and their financial difficulties at the moment. Ollie, what are you expecting from this game? You could call it a six-pointer, but if mm-hmm. both teams get relegated, then it doesn't, it doesn't really count. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, good point. But I think... Quality-wise, you always look at Everton and us, and it's often mentioned that they, well, they've got good enough players to stay up. Everton have been very close to that line a lot of times, and we've done it previously where we've been close. And now it seems like both teams are the closest they've ever been to going down, really. So unless you know Everton, they had that um, Sam Allardyce era, didn't they? Was that Everton? <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Dark days for football. <laughs> um, <laughs> he kept them up, though. He kept them up. Yeah, good point. Ruined them afterwards. But I mean, yeah, yeah they did up. also spend £30 million on Czech Tossin that season. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> what am I expecting? I think, I think it will be a cagey affair. But this sounds strange. It seems like we've almost been in a big event against Nottingham Forest where it was built up as whoever loses this is going down. The players have had that pressure. I don't know if Everton have had that pressure. They've had poor bits of form, but against a, a one-on-one proper scrap to get three points, do they fancy it? And their fans are just as toxic as ours. They really don't fancy themselves as they come into this. Uh, Wobi just got injured against Man United, so that's a player that's been performing well for them, has uh, gone out as injured. So that'll be interesting to see how his replacement comes into the side. And yeah, from what I've read from Everton fans, they are not looking forward to this game either. So it's going to be two sets of fans and it's going to be very, very edgy. It'll be very interesting to see how it goes. I mean, they did beat us on the reverse fixture too. One, I think it was uh, Arivo that scores early in the mm. second half and then they just got back-to-back goals that sort of finished us off. Jamie, who have you been impressed by this season? You know, you look at the signers. They've got Onana from Lille, McNeil from Burnley, Malpe mm. from Brighton, Garner from United, Gay from PSG, Tarkovsky from Burnley and Cody from Wolves. 
Is there anyone there that sort of stands out? Anyone there that you think's had a good season so far for them? I think Connor Cody is an unbelievable player. And, and he's man not motivates goals. I, Apart from scoring goals, yes. <laughs> he's a player I really wish we fought more, fought for more in the summer, as we did have links to, unfortunately. Being back home in Liverpool was a bit too much of a, a draw for him to go there. However, I just think he's a brilliant player and a, a proper, proper captain. Is something obviously as I said last podcast, but I do love Prowse as a captain. However, he doesn't have the backup that he has anymore. But Connor Cody, you see the videos of him when they're, when they're starting on the pitch, telling everyone what to do, Carol getting the right headspace. Yes, they might be 18th. However, they have a proper leader in him, and he is some, somehow a goal threat nowadays as well. He's always up there for some weird reason, and he obviously took advantage on David Hay in the FA Cup, but um. He's a player who I would have loved to see at the club. Unfortunately, Everton took away from us. I mean, we've both had long streaks without winning. How do you think both teams will approach this game, Ollie? Because I think both will be looking at, it, at, the, at the other team thinking, we should be able to beat that other <laughs> team. But sadly, mm. both of us aren't probably quite as good as we'd hoped. I mean, now we know that we're, we're not because uh, we've got six <laughs> straight losses. But how do you think we'll be approaching this game? Well, I think Frank Lampard's always been pra- uh, praised for playing attacking football. And I think Nathan Jones has got a point to prove to play some attacking football. So hopefully we'll see a, a game where both teams do want to go out and play and, and not sit behind the ball and just soak up pressure. Hopefully we will see two teams that are going at each other. I also think Frank Lampard's teams are notorious for conceding from set pieces, something that we haven't been very strong with in terms of corners, but in terms of free kicks, we've been pretty good so far um, this season. So if a few aggressive challenges go in around the box, hopefully someone can go down soft enough to line up Prousey with another free kick. Um, but then again, yeah, hopefully we can test them at corners, test them at um, dead ball situations if they turn up. And especially on the counter, sometimes Everton can look really disarrayed at the back and not not composed at all. Maybe if we can get them behind them, not over the top, but actually through balls on the floor and getting it out into our, our wingers that are more than capable of making things happen, like a dozy. Hopefully we can see some magic. Who knows? I'm, I'm, I am looking forward to it and I'm feeling a lot more confident than the, the sense of impending doom that I got against Forrest. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Wal Prowse has scored at Goodison Park yet. I mean, I don't think many of our players have. Uh, we, we really don't have good sets of results. I think we lost their 3-1 last season. I think Prowse missed a penalty a few seasons before that during the behind-closed-doors era. Jamie, what are you expecting for this match before we get into the official uh, score predictions? <laughs> well, one man who has scored away at Everton and you're in the crowd for, Harry, is Adam Armstrong. Mm. On the first day of the season last year, and that's a I think he'll have that courage to do that again. Uh, fingers crossed he can continue the form. I think so, he... Yeah. Okay. I, was, I was just going to point out that you think he's going to get three consecutive goals then. He's going to, he's going to score one in the cup, he's going to score one in the league, and then he's, he's going to be on... You've got to back the players, Harry. Yeah. Clearly, the, clearly the other players do. And as, as I would say, we are the 12th men of Southampton Football Club, this podcast. So we need to back the boy. Right, official score prediction time. Everton, they're 18th and we are 20th. We have won recently, so that's something different because they've not been able to. Ollie, what's your score prediction for this game at Goodison Park? 
I am much more confident, and I think we will come out oh. with a win, people. I think we'll win. I think we'll win 2-1. I don't think we'll be good Ooh. enough to pick up our second clean sheet this season. But I think we will score and better Everton and come out with a win. That's my prediction. Jamie, you hate predicting losses, so you're going to do that here, or are you going to predict a win? Uh, uh, interesting 2-0 victory. Depending on clean sheet, depending on who plays in against City, that's that's my prediction. Because if it is Bazuni playing City against Battered, no chance of a clean sheet. But if he's got the confidence of the win against Palace, then here we go. Set number two incoming. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, then we'll go ahead of Scunthorpe for clean sheets. Uh, hey. so, you know, the, the ultimate battle this season. <laughs> I'll say that we sneak a 1-1 draw, uh, which to be no. honest, I'll probably take at this point, just to stop the rot. I think we've lost six consecutively and we've never lost seven in a row, so that'd be, uh, you know, not great. And then at that point, there'll be even more questions around Nathan Jones and uh-huh. uh, something has happened then. Right, that's the end of the podcast. We've looked at the Crystal Palace game, we've looked at the transfer rumour mill, we've looked at Manchester City that's coming up in the Carabao Cup and you know, how strong Erling Haaland is and the game against Everton, which could be a relegation six-pointer, as cliche as that sounds. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave us a review. We appreciate it every single time. And thanks again for the support on the last episode. I've been me, Harry Tizard. I've been joined by Ollie Boast. Thank you very much for listening. Jamie Allen. Thank you very much, especially for last episode, 300 uh- plays. Absolutely. Hopefully we'll be back and we've won at least one of the two games and we can (laughs) think positively about the time ahead. We'll see you next week.